Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Danette sent me a note about an interesting story from Ohio. And there are a whole bunch of drivers who probably would have been entitled to a refund if they had followed the proper procedures. And this is the kind of technicality that the court points out that most people are to say, that's nonsense. And on this one, I kind of agree. But courts do what they do. From countynewsonline.com, Dan Trevis wrote this. Drivers ticketed by Cleveland's traffic cameras not entitled to refund, even though the courts have ruled that many of those tickets were, as we'd say, bogus. <laughs> Cleveland does not have to refund the $4.1 million it would have to otherwise to motorists who paid fines under a now defunct traffic camera program, which was used to catch red light and speeding violators. That's according to the Supreme Court of Ohio. Uh, The Supreme Court was not unanimous on this one, and they ruled that once drivers paid the fines but did not contest the tickets under the city's administrative appeal program, they lost the right to seek reimbursement through a class action lawsuit. So a class action lawsuit was filed on behalf of all these people, and the court said that class action is no good because these people needed to appeal the ticket in the system, which they were told they could do back at the time. But a lot of people simply pay the tickets because they assume the tickets are good. So the lawsuit was filed by somebody who said uh, they were ticketed at a time when Cleveland's program applied to the owners of the ticketed vehicles. In a separate ruling in another case, the Court of Appeals in Ohio held that people who leased their vehicles were not covered under the definition of owner under the ordinance and were not liable for fines for violations detected by those cameras. So it was a badly written statute, apparently, the local ordinance, which said that the ticket was something that the owner owed, not the driver or the person leasing a vehicle. And so if you leased a vehicle and you got the ticket, you didn't have to pay it, it turns out. But you wouldn't have known that unless you were aware of the case going up through the courts and how it was going to resolve. And then also that the Supreme Court would rule this way in another case. So when she and other lessees of ticketed vehicles discovered that they were not included in the definition of owners and were not subject to the fine, they filed a class action lawsuit trying to get their money back, and they're doing it through an unjust enrichment argument. They're saying the city got money they shouldn't have gotten at their cost. So in the court's lead opinion, meaning that there are several opinions written by judges who apparently don't agree with each other, in the court's lead opinion... Uh, The justice wrote that the lawsuit was barred by the principle of res judicata, res judicata, which is Latin, and uh, the driver's claims were resolved before the lawsuit was filed, according to the Supreme Court. Uh, Res judicata has either claim preclusion or issue preclusion, and that claim preclusion applied to this case. Trying to explain this a little bit, the court in 1990 had a case where The claim preclusion makes an existing final judgment or decree between the parties to litigation conclusive as to all claims which were or might have been litigated in the first instance. So what the court is saying here is there was a perfect process in place. If you wanted to, you could have fought these tickets. And the fact that you didn't fight these tickets means you waived your right to fight them later. So quite often, there is a process in place that you're supposed to go through. And if you didn't do it, you might be waiving your right to do that. So noting that the doctrine of res judicata does apply to administrative proceedings, 
The judge wrote that because the vehicle lessees had the opportunity to challenge their tickets through that process, they instead admitted their guilt by paying the tickets. The vehicle lessees could not revive their dispute by filing a separate lawsuit to contest their fine. So think of it this way. You get a ticket, you look at it, you go, okay, I pay it. You pay the ticket, and when you do that, you're admitting responsibility or pleading guilty or whatever they call it in your jurisdiction. And then once you do that, if you're unhappy with that result, you can appeal that. And you might be able to appeal it before you pay it. You might be able to appeal it or, or fight it, as we say, immediately. But that's the process. So she's saying, the chief judges, that when you got the ticket, you looked at it and said, oh, and you paid it. You were, in essence, admitting guilt. And so there was, there was a process to appeal that if you wanted to in that process, but later coming back and just filing a lawsuit and saying, hey, you got my money, you shouldn't have. Well, that's a point you could have raised earlier. That's what the court is saying. I disagree with this because I don't think most people understand any of this. And logically, it doesn't make much sense. As we all know, people presume that the laws in the books are good. And so you can't look at every law and go, well, that could get overturned by the Supreme Court. I better go into court and fight this otherwise. So several other justices joined the lead opinion. And then one of the justices concurred in judgment only saying, well, I agree with the end result, but not the reasoning that got us there. Meanwhile, one judge dissented, uh, disagreeing about Ray's judicata applying in the case. She wrote that the doctrine in this context, requires a prior valid decision on the merits from a court of competent jurisdiction. She cited the policy behind the doctrine that raised judicata is to be applied in a particular situation as fairness and justice require, and that it is not to be applied so rigidly as to defeat the ends of justice or so as to work an injustice. And so I mentioned earlier a waiver, and this, I want to be very, very clear here because there are two or three lawyers in my audience. <laughs> a raised judicata and a waiver are two legal different concepts. Two different legal concepts. But what I'm getting at is it's the same effect. You had the opportunity, but you didn't take it. And therefore, that previous judgment becomes final. And if you want to appeal the previous judgment, if there's a process to appeal that judgment, you've got to appeal that judgment. You can't just file a second lawsuit and go, well, I'm unhappy with that judgment. No, you should have gone back and appealed that judgment. That's what they're saying. So this judge is saying, well... Those aren't really cases that were tried on the merits. So the Chief Justice noted that the law firm that had contested through the administrative appeals processed the tickets it received for leased vehicles. Even as it pursued an appeal in the 8th District Court of Appeals, the firm also received a credit rating warning letter stating that its delinquent payments would be reported to a National Credit Bureau. So there was something else going on here. Because while they're fighting this, there was this issue with the uh, credit rating warning letters being sent out, which would imply that there's something still happening. <laughs> the Chief Justice wrote that the appellee motorists here were presented with a catch-22 and subjecting owners of leased vehicles to an expensive and lengthy legal process while facing increased penalties and negative hits to their credit scores, and that did not present a fair adversary proceeding to which raised judicata would attach. Because the fines were paid, a court never considered the driver's legal arguments, and they should be able to contest the payments, she concluded. And that's really the point. I've seen it before where somebody goes into court, they file a lawsuit, they have a trial, they lose. Later on, they go, I want to I refile that lawsuit. 
Well, you can't refile that lawsuit. You've already lost that lawsuit. But if you went all the way through court and you did all that stuff, of course. But here, a ticket is a little different because you get hit with a ticket. And it says right on there, you pay this ticket or bad things happen to you. It does say you want to appeal a ticket. Here's what you can do to appeal a ticket. But simply appealing a ticket like that on a matter of principle for the average person, it would still cost more monetarily than what they're trying to save. And so that's another problem, I think, that, that really plays into this practically. So uh, the Supreme Court of Ohio had ruled back in 2016 that it did not have the authority to consider Cleveland's claim that the lawsuit was barred until the trial court issued a final order on whether the drivers had to first use the administrative appeals process. The case returned to the court in 2020 after the county common pleas court and the 8th district court ruled that the class action lawsuit could proceed. So we've also got conflicting arguments at different court levels on this, but of course the Ohio Supreme Court would overrule all the lower courts in Ohio. Cleveland's program ended in 2014 when city residents voted to ban automated photo enforcement of red light and speeding laws. In today's decision, the court noted that state lawmakers ended the rights of cities to conduct administrative hearings on non-criminal traffic violations in 2019. Municipal courts now have exclusive jurisdiction over photo-enforced red light and speeding violations where such programs exist, but it sounds like they're going by the wayside. So that's the case. I actually glanced at the opinion. It's 21 pages long, and there's a lot of fighting going on between the various justices as to how much sense this makes. But in a nutshell... There were these automated traffic enforcement cameras which were kicking out tickets. If you got a ticket and you owned your car, it made complete sense you had to pay it. But if you were leasing your car and you went and read the statute, you'd see, oh, it doesn't apply to me. <laughs> I can send this, in essence, to the bank who I'm leasing the car through, and they got to pay it, which, of course, makes very little sense. But that's because it was a poorly written statute. And so a lot of people paid this because they didn't bother doing the research to find out what an owner was defined as under the local code. I don't blame anybody for not doing that. And so somebody went and read the code and said, oh, the code's written improperly. Turns out that all of those tickets were invalid. And the court now is saying, well, but yeah, if you paid them, you cannot now argue that you have the right to fight it because you could have fought it back then. So I think this is a bad decision myself. But, and I agree with the judge who says, hey, look, you know, these people didn't actually have a chance to litigate these things on their merits. But it really boils down to the fact that the $4.1 million, uh, if they had to pay that back, it'd probably knock a gigantic hole in somebody's budget. And I suspect that's really what's going on here. But that's just my opinion. So that's the story out of Ohio. If you got one of those tickets and you paid it, you're out of luck. Sorry about that. But your Ohio State Supreme Court has thus ruled. So that's from the countynewsonline.com. Dan Travis wrote that, and Danette sent it to me. Thanks a lot. Drivers ticketed by Cleveland's traffic cameras not entitled to refund. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. And by the way, I'm going to put a little audio thing here at the end for the people who listen to my podcasts, wherever you might listen to podcasts, as opposed to watching me on YouTube. Uh, I mentioned last year, I was going to put up a Patreon account because I do not have advertising on my podcast channel and I don't even know how, how advertising would work here. Um, and so I've mentioned before that uh, to put the audio podcasts up on the um, uh, various sources like you know iTunes and so on, it actually costs me money and time. And uh, I put up a Patreon account. And I actually had a, a decent response to it at first. But uh, unfortunately, uh, with the way my life is getting lately, um, I'm very, very pressed for time. I just started writing another book. 
Uh, I've got a couple other projects in the hopper. And as I'm looking at all the various ways I spend my time uh, investing my time in various projects and so on, I, I'm looking around at all the things that I do with my time. And um, the podcast, the audio podcast of Leto's Law is one of the things I'm looking at because I spend as much time on the audio podcast as I do on the video podcast. Uh, but as you know, the videos are monetized, the audio is not. So uh, while I thank everybody who's contributed to the Patreon account so far, uh, as it stands, uh, I may have to discontinue the audio portion of this podcast. And I apologize. I know there's a lot of people who listen, especially when they're driving. Uh, but, you know, last year, I just checked, last year I had 2.7 million downloads on the audio podcast. Uh, and that's quite a large number. Uh, but like I said, it takes a lot of work to put this together. Uh, and it's a big chunk of my day, literally seven days a week that I do this. Um, and so I may have to discontinue this in the future. I don't know yet. I haven't made the decision yet. But one thing I'm going to tell you is that the Patreon link is in the description below the podcast. And if you are so inclined to kick in some money on that, I would greatly appreciate it. And if more people did that, I'd probably save the podcast. But last time I mentioned this, I had a whole bunch of pushback from people who are calling me a, a, a money grubber for, for asking for support on the podcast. And, you know, something I apologize, there's only so much I can do. Uh, if that's the way you view me, that's fine. Uh, I put these up right now, and they're free. And they've been free now for eight years. Just entered the ninth season of the audio podcast. So, um, again, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do, but there's a chance that I may have to just shut this uh, audio side of this down. And for that, I apologize. Uh, you know, obviously, you don't have to keep uh, watching me if you you know don't like the fact that I've only got something on YouTube. You don't have to watch me over that. It's fine. But you would be able to if you wanted to. So, again, uh, you please take a look at the Patreon as a possibility. If enough people did that to make it worthwhile, especially just to cover my time and costs on the audio side of this, I would keep this up. But as of right now, it doesn't look like I will. But I don't have a time frame yet. But like I said, I've started a couple other projects, one of which is I'm writing a new book, which is going to take a lot of time out of my day. And I do these podcasts and videos seven days a week. So that's a lot of time that would help me with a book and other projects. So that's a little announcement for the audio side of this only. Uh, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to be a money grubber, but, but I'm just pointing out that as I look at prioritizing things in my life, uh, the audio side of this podcast uh, is very, very low on the list right now of things that give me a return. So there you go. Uh, and uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Leto's Law. Those who bring sunshine to the lives of others cannot keep it from themselves.